And we are back here live on the MCW cast with our very special guest, Enzo. Bada boom, real swan in the room. How you doing? Hey, how you doing, Hello. man? It's good I, to have actually, back. yesterday was the best day of my life. Yesterday? You wouldn't believe what happened. Tell us. I woke up today. Today's better than yesterday. Unbelievable. That's right. Any day above ground is a good day. Yes, it is, man. Mm -hmm. I can't complain. You know, things have definitely gotten deep over the past few years, but not six feet. So if that's the case, we're up here. You can't teach that. That's life, right? That's absolutely. Yeah. We're here in the basement of a Hollywood Volunteer Fire Department still for Hollywood Celeb Fest. That's right. <laughs> Don't you love that? We're, we're here. All at, the way in the I just I just flew on a plane from Hollywood. Right. To come to Hollywood. Ha, to come to Hollywood. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. Isn't that, isn't that special? I didn't even know I was coming to Hollywood, Maryland today, but I did come from Hollywood, California. I lived in Maryland all my life. We never knew there was a Hollywood, Maryland until we ran our first show here a couple of years ago. I yeah, no I've actually idea. been here before. Yeah, you came. Right. Yeah, yeah, you did. I met one of the all, shows, the, yeah. all the firemen and the fire trucks, yeah. mm -hmm. took some pictures down there. Made good with the town. I think, I think I'm good in Hollywood. You are, man. That's the best thing about coming here is there's the fire chief and the president of the fire department. They're all big wrestling fans. And they've got some cool trucks. Yeah. yeah <laughs> they love to show them off. They do. They Things do. are clean, boy. They love to show them off, the guys like you, because they're all wrestling fans. So that's the big well, thing. Well, listen, I'm not, I'm not hating on what we do with our tax dollars. But I will say this. We got some beautiful vehicles. Yes. Wouldn't it be nice to have some beautiful roads to drive them on? Yeah. I heard That's that. Come on now. I yeah. know. What oh about God. it, huh? I, I must have hit five potholes on my way here today. Terrible. And I was like, I've driven this road before. Why are there more potholes well, I, today? I, I live it's in crazy. Jersey, right? Mm -hmm. And I look at New York City skyline, and it changes weekly. Yeah. And this is not an exaggeration. I'm talking about they're throwing up buildings mm -hmm. by the floor mm. on a weekly basis to the point where the skyline's changing wow. every month dramatically. Wow. Now, if we have the money to do that and that workers that can get that done, mm -hmm. where, what, what's going on? I don't know, man. These I, streets yeah. are, these streets are rough. Bro. Yeah. And I, I, I was just out in Hollywood, L.A. Holy it looks like a third world country right now. Yeah, yeah. it's bad. Baltimore is the. We I live oh, right outside God. Baltimore City, and we're uh, Baltimore is a big city too. It's the same way, man. There's mm -hmm. there's freaking potholes. You but listen, we could sit man. here and we could debate what to do with our taxpayers' dollars until we're blue in the face. Let's talk about some pro wrestling. Hey, you know what? You've done some stuff with one of our kids. It was a guy we we trained. He was one of our kids. Came from our school. You done a, Leo Rush. Yeah. Yeah. I see. You, you did one some of your stuff. kids, man. He's a grown ass man yeah. these days, bro. I call him my kids. He's I'm out here making moves. Hey, congrats. Okay, technically, he could be your kid, Dan. He could hey, be, got, be my we, kid. I got to congratulate Leo on just signing a record deal. Yeah. Absolutely, he did. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That's amazing, man. That's And I did a song with Leo called The Heat. Uh, he got a. He, he, it's funny. Leo will tell you. Leo sent me the record just. Through a friend, he got in touch with me, uh, Brian Pillman Jr. Mm -hmm. So Brian Pillman Jr. said, I had never ran into Leo. Uh, when I was in the WWE, I never met him. Right. And we had different runs, so he kind of came in as I was leaving. So Brian Pillman Jr. hooked me up with him, and he said, uh, Leo Rush wants to make a song with you. So within 10 minutes of Leo texting me and sending me the song, um, I said, all right, uh, leave me a blank space on it, you know? So he sent me the track, and within 15 minutes, I sent him back a track. He texted me, and he was like, hey, man, did you listen to it? And I was like, did I listen to it? 15 minutes later, I sent him my verse. Right. So he was, wow. like, he was like, holy shit, man, that was quick. Yeah. I was like, yeah, bro, I'm in the studio. I own a music studio, so what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. So I sent him back that record. It took 15 minutes to write it, and it wasn't it wasn't very difficult. <laughs> I don't think I was all too creative in it, yeah. but um, – 
But uh, shout out to Leo for getting it done. Uh, the music video we made was fun. The first move in that match that we had on this music video for Heat, mm-hmm. uh, we were thinking in the ring. We're like, what are we doing this? Mm-hmm. And I and I said, All right, I got it. I'm going to hit you with a, um, what the hell, pedigree, and you're going to kick out on one. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. First move we hit, yeah, hit the pedigree uh, wide. Kick out on one, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, we did all the greatest hits. I think there was, like, a Diesel Powerbomb, Eddie Guerrero Frog Splash, Hulk Hogan Finger Point and Boot, and just Stone Cold Stunner. I'm pretty sure we just hit the greatest yeah. hits. Yeah. I was yeah. like, this seems, yeah. But uh, fun to now. meet Leo. Congratulations on, uh, you know, you guys having some success yeah. out there in the world beyond the horizons of pro wrestling. You you guys sparked the man uh, to, to have the fire to light him and get him in this pro wrestling thing. You know, you guys got him in the ring, and now he's a music star. Yeah, he was always, from the time he started training at our school, though, just like, I've been doing this 30 years now and had, you know, Mickey James is a student, Lita was a student. Um, you can always tell the people that come through with a different level of drive. I always say that when they ask, like, because we've had a bunch, of, a bunch of people make it from our school, and I was like, you, we have a good system in place, but – from a like a trainer's point of view you can see when people come in the door with a different level of drive yeah. than everybody else you could probably also game. see the first time they hit the ropes or take a bump whether or not that's going to be yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can. maybe yeah. you should yeah. be a referee yeah. <laughs> maybe we put you in the commentating booth brother and we've had listen we've had like uh, andrew that works for wwe now for years andrew as a cameraman Cole, yeah. he was a we've had that talk with some mm-hmm. people where he was training to wrestle and you know, but and then, then he picked up the camera. Picked and up now the he's camera. a cameraman in the WWE. He's, yeah, he's been that's there for a couple an even years. better story than Leo yeah. Rush. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah! See, that he, is cool. And he shit. started filming our. And that's shows what I tell so many night. of these people that come up to me with dreams to get into pro wrestling. I meet so many kids and uh, people that want to be pro wrestlers. And you know, for me, it's you know, it's it's a story of non discouragement. It's just a matter of knowing that there's jobs in pro wrestling outside of being the yeah. guy in the ring. And sometimes it may be an injury that prevents you from being the guy in the ring. Other times it's just athletic ability. Other times it's just you're not getting it. But that doesn't mean that this thing that you love, pro wrestling, that you're so passionate about, that you can't find a means within it and that you can't make ends meet doing it and or – you don't find extreme success like your friend has picking right. up the camera and filming some of these great matches that are happening. That's historical. Mm-hmm. He's, he's on the other end of it, and, and that's cool. And, and we, that's the talk at doing this 30 years. That's, you know, we, our, 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 school, our school's pretty reputable because of, like, Mickey and Lita and Leo and Velveteen Dream was one of our kids. And um, that's the talk, literally, when people – they, you can kind of tell when they're they're realizing yep. like this is tough. Me and Tara always every, we every pull class. them aside. I, yep. I pull them aside, and it, it, you know if we like they disappear, and I'll I'll reach out to them. I always try to have that talk with them and say, listen, if you're realizing this is there's a million other things you can do now. Yep. You know what I mean? And yeah. it like producing from a production standpoint that you could still be a part of it. Like, what do you like? And and for and a lot of people have transitioned to referees. Mm-hmm. We've had guys and girls transition to referees. Um, I've Jessica, done every job here. Well, every I guess job, the most important part is doing what you love, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So if that's you what have a, heart and you want to be here, there's a place for you. Yeah. You just have to put forth. Jessica, know, and if you keep yeah. showing up 100%. in any place, yep. any place, any place, you keep showing up. That's the biggest part of the battle. Yeah, is who shows up and who doesn't. And eventually, if you keep showing up, you're going to out 
weigh those people that don't. The numbers are going to add up, and your your time you're putting in is going to be accrued. And time mm-hmm. is money, and it's and it's worth something. And so, if you're making an investment in yourself because you're doing this thing for free, and it's what you want to do, and it's what you love, then there it is. What do you think, um, music wise, of Tom McDonald? Tom McDonald, man. You know who he is? Uh, you know what? I do know who he is. Tom McDonald, they used to always play that infomercial trying to sell CDs. Remember back in the day when television would have commercials on late at night, like <laughs> Nick at course. night? Of course. And it'd be yeah. like, the greatest hits of Tom McDonald. Right. And it would just be him, like white hair, right? Kind of chubby, fat, with a white beard. And, and playing like a piano, I think, and then this just is a different, play. Am I am I the wrong a, Tom McDonald? Yeah, yeah. This is a different. This is a guy. He's controversial. He raps. Um, he did the, the. He's done a lot of. Wait, are we not co- thinking of the same guy? I don't no, think we're no, not. not. Uh, you're the, you're the Google master, Jamie over there on Joe Rogan show. Yeah. Do me the favor and find out this McDonald that I'm talking of. <laughs> to, the but, Tom McDonald, he does. Right. He, Rest he, in peace, Norm McDonald. But he's been Norm McDonald, RIP. He's he's gets a, he's real controversial on YouTube, but he used to actually be a wrestler. He's he's really popular. Um, he does the song like "Canceled" and um, was he an indie wrestler in Canada? He was an indie wrestler in Canada. in Canada. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. He's a yeah, um, he Shout does. out to Tom McDonald speaking his controversy. Controversy creates cash. Eric Bushoff. Uh, you got to look him up you know, now. So. Like, yeah. I'll look up a- Tom McDonald. Shout out Tom McDonald for having success in music and pro wrestling. If they know you for both, you must have done something right. Yeah, I know Leo was trying to reach out to him to do stuff too, but I don't, I don't know if he got back to him. He's pretty... But yeah, he's he's controversial, but he's a he, he raps and stuff. He just um. Hey guys, as you could tell, you're talking to Eric. But Enzo, yeah. Yeah. Enzo is super controversial. <laughs> Enzo knows how to create some controversy. I think I disappoint people when they meet me, and I'm not running around backwards and moving crazy <laughs> and talking like Enzo does. But um, I, I'm one of those types that likes to keep the prestige and lore alive of the locker room because when i came into the business the undertaker was the head of our locker room and lord knows the dead man didn't do any interviews because he's a dead man right (laughs) Right. no he's not really a dead man people so uh i i I think that i've i've certainly maintained a secrecy level of who who enzo was versus who eric is and uh i don't mind keeping it alive if i can get people to talk about enzo then that's great you de- i always tell like when you worked with us that time it was in hollywood i think the last time you worked it was with right us before and, we yeah. shut down it was, it was like right our, before it was the, our last it was, show it was here right and then we had yeah. like galena two weeks later and yeah. then that was it mm-hmm. then we were shut down for yep. like a year I and remember. a half but i i always say that because from a promoter standpoint you're like oh he's tough to deal with and i'm i, I would say when people like guys i'm like what are you talking about this guy was like <laughs> I mean, I've I've been doing this thirty years, promoted four or five hundred shows. I've had a lot of people off TV that are tough to deal with. I'm like, this guy was like the easiest yeah. guy in the world to deal with. He was like great. I appreciate so. that. I think that uh, that's about the only thing I got going for me these days is what I owe my parents. Yeah. I I think that when someone, uh, you know, I have great parents. I was lucky. I'm very close with them. And it was the hardest thing in the world being away from them for seven years in pro wrestling. Yeah, and it meant a lot to me to get home to them. So now I'm home, and I get to see my parents five, six days a week. I make the effort. And uh, I think that, you know, the number one thing that I can do in my life is that when people walk away from me, they say he was a nice guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's me doing my parents the service that they, you know, I can't do my parents a disservice uh, as Enzo Amore. They know who Enzo Amore is. They get it. It's a character. It's not really Eric. Um, is that 
certainly ingratiated in the in the world that I grew up in for certain. Like I grew up with people like that. Like the character of Enzo Amore, you know, I saw so much of that around me. And it is a touch of where I grew up and but you know, I got cultured, man. I got to see the world. It's not like when I get, I went out to the world. I was I never, never been on flights before I got signed to the WWE. Now I'm talking about Ecuador, Chile, China, Peru, Japan, New wow. Zealand, Tokyo. You know I've been everywhere now, and I've gotten to meet people. I've got turned on to country music that I would have never listened to growing mm-hmm. up. You know I only listened to Biggie growing up. Now I listen to the Rolling Stones, and it's just a matter of growing up and 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 getting cultured. And when I go back home, there's still people in the bubble. That's still right. pump fists, you yeah, know, yeah, got yeah. the hair all crazy, yeah. you know, uh-huh. like a part of what I always did was a marketing mechanism. Just look crazy because then you get noticed. Indeed. Right. And uh, it wasn't so much as so like I had an excuse to look like this. Now, if I was if I was Eric, I don't know that if I ever would have the balls to tattoo my hand. There was really no going back after I did this. Yeah, I married myself to this gimmick of saying mm. I tattooed a microphone on my hand. There's no office job waiting for me after this. Right. Like I, I married myself to the to the entertainment business, and um, I felt confident enough to do so after putting enough time in. But you know. Right at the start of this thing, you got to kind of go all in. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just half-ass this. I, I When I moved to uh, Florida to become a pro wrestler, I put leopard print in my hair. I dyed it blonde, and I was loud and obnoxious, and I made sure that you saw me when I walked in a room because that was half the battle is getting noticed. Yeah. Yeah. And being remembered. So, did yes. you, you started training. That's when actually you went to your WWE. only job. Yeah. I think I've been told that. Your only job is to be remembered. You started training when you went to WWE. I never wrestled before in my life, no. Wow, really? Yeah. Did, did you play football here in Maryland? That's At Salisbury University. Salisbury, yeah. yeah. I had heard right. people yeah. say that you were from. So were you from Maryland? Or no, you actually, it was crazy. I went to Springfield College in Massachusetts, and uh, my that was where John Cena went to school. Hmm. So my freshman year, I wanted to be a pro wrestler, and my parents wouldn't let me. Um, out of high school because I had all these opportunities to go to college. And it's like, dude, I was the worst student in the world. I was bad. I was a bad kid (laughs) getting bad grades, doing stupid stuff, you know, throwing rocks at windows and shit when you're young. Like any normal bad kid from my area. But when I grew up, I had this reluctant opportunity to go to college. And my parents made sure that that happened. So thank you to them. But I knew that I wanted to be a pro wrestler. I didn't want to go to college for anything. Mm -hmm. So I went to college for literally lifting weights. It was called exercise science. (laughs) And it was where John Cena went to school for the same thing. And I figured I'll take the same route John Cena took. And I'll go to college there, and then I'll get in the WWE. And I got to meet John Cena at my freshman year of college. I asked him how I get in the WWE. And he said to have the coach call him when when I was done. And then I got kicked out of that college for being awesome. And the weird anomaly, <laughs> but the weirdest, the, weird, the, the craziest thing about this, right, is that this is well publicized, and I don't need to hide it actually because it was it was covered in the news up there. Is that I beat up a kid who went into a girl's room when she was sleeping and started touching her and woke her up, and then I found out from her and I beat the shit out of him, right? Wow! So and I got kicked out of college for defending a girl who got raped, right? And then draw the parallels years down the line. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. It's- Crazy! I yeah. live in I live in a matrix. I'm like this is a sti- this is a simulation. I can't imagine who's using me in this game that they're playing. Mm. But they're with me sometimes, yeah. right? So when I got uh, thrown out of school, the coaches loved me, and the coaches at Springfield 
called Salisbury University because they both ran the triple option. Now, when you run the triple option, there ain't too many teams that you can study film on. So you're constantly trading game tape with Springfield College if you're Salisbury because you both run the triple option, so you're going to see the same defenses when you're playing other opponents. So they had a great relationship with Salisbury. So now all of a sudden Salisbury University is calling me because I was going to sue the college because when I got kicked out, the girl that got beat up, she went and told the resident assistant. She told the RD, and he said, we'll handle it in the morning. Well, when she got back to her room, that time in between handling in the morning is when she came to my room, and that was shit got handled, brother. So we could have <laughs> we sued that school, right? Yeah. So they let me go with high grades. Like, you know, I didn't look bad on my transcript. Right. Mm. So I could transfer to another school and play football. So then Salisbury, who's training game tape at Springfield, is calling me, and I never even heard of Salisbury. Next thing I know, my dad's like, you're going to Salisbury. <laughs> like, All right, bro, I'm going to Salisbury. But luckily I made it through that one, bro. Got yeah. my degree in journalism, wrote for the school newspaper, played uh, college football, made it to practice at 5.30 in the morning every day, had the GPA to uh, keep me eligible throughout all those years, and there's something to be said about that. I think it prepared me for life in the WWE. Because when you got to be, you know, football practice at 5.30 in the morning, you're an 18, 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old kid. You know, that that's what makes the difference between who plays football and who doesn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not about if you're good at football. It's a matter of are you going to be at practice at 5.30 in the morning after being in college and night of drinking, opportunities at your fingertips everywhere to go mm-hmm. out, and distractions. So I think that that – I remember specifically, you know, when I got hired by WWE – um, I was told early in the process, a few months into my training, that I was going to be fired. I was on the chopping block. Like, they have these meetings with your producers, your coaches, and they tell you how you're doing. And they were telling me, like, you're getting fired. So I showed up at 530 in the morning that next day. And, I, and that was the case until the day y'all saw me on TV. Wow. I was the first guy at work and the last guy to leave in NXT. I love it. Florida wow. Championship Wrestling. Now, they didn't have a choice. See, they're not going to fire the guy who shows up at 530 in the morning. Right. every, But they're going to hate you for it. Right. They're going to hate that they can't pull that one on you. They can't say that you don't show up. They can't say that you right. don't spend the time or put the effort in. If you're going to fire me, it's going to be for another reason. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for, you know, college football instilling that, uh, you know, Work dedication right. mm-hmm. uh, in me. I don't know that I would have ever showed up to that building at 5.30 in the morning, but I just looked at it like, bro, if you could show up for practice at 5.30 in the morning, like, now you can show up for this because th- you you don't have a choice either. Like, back then you didn't have a choice because you wouldn't be on the football team. Now you don't have a choice because you ain't going to be on the wrestling team, bro. Right. You know, so it's like a matter of making the team back then. Yeah, and obviously once you got there, I mean, you talk about, like, your character. From a promoter standpoint, that – that's one of the things that set you off like from a promoter standpoint of promoting independent wrestling. Like there's so many guys, hundreds get cycled through the WWE and come out, but you're one of those guys that years later, like people remember you, um, you made yourself stick out. You're like a, like I always tell a lot of, you know, people like a guy like the boogeyman is another guy that mm-hmm. like he's years at removed, but you can always advertise him and yeah. people remember him. There's hundreds of guys that come through that are from a promoters. I could put them on a poster. You kids want to be and, remembered. Yeah. Eat some worms. It don't work. No, I'm the real, like yeah. think about it. Like, dude, nobody's going to forget that guy. Yeah. How the f- 
forget that. You go to a show, you're a little kid, you right. look up, you see a guy eating worms, you don't even remember anything about the wrestling match. But, but that's one, yeah. one thing you can go, though, and do, though, when you're there, like you said, may, you know, be remembered. Like, you, you know, it's just, you, you know, you've. You've kind of you've put yourself. In well, there. I also up. took a page out of a few other greats' books. Like I wasn't reinventing the wheel when you know Paul Heyman walks in a room. And he's like, my name yeah. is Paul right. Heyman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Well, yeah. okay. My name is Enzo Amore. Like, <laughs> right. yeah. I don't need to. You know, like right. am I the first guy to introduce myself? <laughs> I just think that it boiled down to doing it every night was the most important thing for me was that you got to remember there's always people in the crowd that don't know who you are and when you're in the ring you should never wrestle like you're over your matches uh never walk through the curtain like you're already over like treat it like it's the first time and you're trying to get over Mm -hmm. and then you'll stay over yeah you know if i give you the same energy every time i run through that curtain backwards and i'm losing my mind and my my body's moving so fast that half the time i fall and you laugh at me and i just get up and make a crazy face and Here's my name. and Like, it's just my only job is to make you remember me. And yeah. what better way to remember me than by telling you my name? And fans want a way to interact. Like, they want to be, the, you know, Oh, out yeah. There. All and the so fans want to do is the YMCA. Yeah. They yeah. want to be a part of the show. Right. So if I can do the YMCA, S-A-W-F-T, so if I'm just doing the YMCA. Yeah. And, and they it. get to play along with me. And yeah. I always knew that. My dad was a DJ. So my dad had a microphone in my hand by the time I was a teenager. I was doing all the Sweet 16s, bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, corporate events in the area. I, w- I was working a microphone, gauging the temperature of a crowd, mm-hmm. trying to find out what song got them on the dance floor. How do I keep them on the dance mm-hmm. floor? Mm-hmm. Oh, the dance floor is dying? Time for a gentleman's choice dance. Send somebody out with the roses. Gentlemen, here's a rose. You get to call your special lady out onto the dance floor. Now I got the dance floor packed. Hit them with Let's Get Loud by Jennifer Lopez. Let's get loud. Now I keep them out. It was just, I had a school for this that was invaluable, and I I have a great father. And and he, by him being a DJ, so obscure of a profession when it comes to having a family and raising one, that it allowed me to – try to do something obscure as well. It also made me go to college because my dad didn't want that for me, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he was open to it when I got through college. Like, pursue your dreams. Like, if this is what you want to do, then do it. So, you know, I I gained knowledge without knowing it by benefactor of my father. Like, I'm out here working a microphone. A lot of wrestlers don't have that yeah. opportunity yeah. to be in rooms, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was always in rooms with a lot of people. Since I was a kid, but never more than uh, than WrestleMania, man. And I wasn't even on the card, but that WrestleMania with the Undertaker and uh, Shane McMahon in Dallas. Yeah, and I was a part of Triple H's entrance. There's 110,000 people, and they had all the NXT guys dressed up as like Terminators mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and just feeling that electricity out there, dude. Like being out there, and I debuted the next day on mm-hmm. Monday Night Raw. But if you want to talk about motivation enough Heck yeah. Yeah. to do good the next day on Raw, yeah. like, bro, I just wanted to get to Mania. Like, that was it. Like, that was it. And once I got Mania, and then I never thought I would win a title. Like, I just didn't think that would happen for me, the way that I was booked. Mm-hmm. The character I played, I thought maybe I'd end up being, like, in Ellsworth when me and Cass <laughs> broke up or something, you know? Like, right. put me with one of the girls, give me the microphone. <laughs> I have no idea, right? Well, dude, I won titles. And then I was, I got to do 205 Live Tour. So the only ever cruiserweight tour to be in the main event match. I never thought I'd main event marquee uh, WWE Tour. Now here I am. And I'm like, bro, I did all that shit. I look at it and I'm like, I don't think it deserves a sequel. 
Like, bro, yeah. I, I peaked and I never went down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a title when I got fired. Went out on top. So yeah. I was like, bro, that never happens. Yeah. Right. Ever. Yeah. And God's grace. Like, however it happened, it happened. So I'm not going to be mad that it happened. I'm just, you know, happy that it happened. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad that it's over. I'm happy that it happened. So for me, all I ever wanted to do was win titles and wrestle at WrestleMania. And I fought for titles at WrestleMania in a ladder match against the Hardy Boys. Mm-hmm. I mean, we want to talk about checking things off a fucking bucket list. I, that was it, man. Yeah. I, I, I don't yeah. need, I never went into it thinking I, I needed to have a Mania match in the main event against Roman Reigns and go over and hold the title and finish the show and have fireworks. Like, that never was in my mind. So by the time I got all those things done, I, it took time to get away from wrestling for me to look back at it and appreciate it, not be mad, because I was angry and bitter when I got fired. For a few years, I didn't want to be around wrestling. When it was all over and you put that retrospect and, and that perspective in place and you're, and you're saying, oh, wow, couldn't ask for much more. Yeah. So for me... This second run that I'm kind of beginning now, getting back out there, getting on the indies and doing some shows with some some cameras again, MLW and Charlotte will probably be the first time I pick up a microphone outside the WWE. And um, it's it's for storyline stuff, and, I, and that's the thing is now I'm, I'm, I'm not in it for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. I personally believe that I could give a lot back now. Like, I learned a lot, and I made a million dollars in pro wrestling by the time I was 30. I don't know many people that have ever done that. Right. So, how did I do it? Well, shit, man, I didn't take much. I wasn't thinking about it while I was doing it, right? Well, now Mm -hmm. I've had enough time away to be like, okay, any opportunity I get to work with a green kid on an independent show who's never wrestled in front of a camera before, like, that is an opportunity for that kid. And I never saw it that way. You know, I didn't look at it like that. But now I look at it, and I'm like, it's time for me to give back. Like, this is my opportunity. So I've been having matches with guys uh, who are either green as shit, who have, who have never been on TV, or I've been working guys who are like 65 or 75. <laughs> Yeah, like one or <laughs> one of the two. Well, yeah, no, I don't. Extreme, I don't yeah. need to go back out there really too often and wrestle a guy I know or you know I've seen on the road or worked with in the past. It's like if I can get in there with a green kid who really wants to learn, who really wants this shit, wants this to happen mm-hmm. for him, and I could give him any bit of knowledge that he could take from me, then I'm doing the right thing. Then I'm just giving back to the business the way that it gave to me because it took a lot of great people. I look, I went to the greatest school for wrestling in the history yeah. of mankind yeah. with the greatest coaches, with the greatest producers, with headsets on and shitting on you every day and telling you what you did wrong and to a point where you got it right. And so if I can help people get it right or help them in any way, that's more what I'm interested in. I'm not like in this shit trying to be the best of all time, bro. Like I already perceived myself with confidence to be as, as good as any in the history of our business on the microphone, but my generation's ended. Guys, 2020 is over. I did it. Those 10 years are done. You look back at that generation, you'll give me my credit. And if you don't, you're a f***ing liar. I don't care. So (laughs) I, I, at this point, you know, if you're Jerry Lawler, you can roll me in a casket and beat me. If you're Ricky Morton, you can hit me with a Canadian Destroyer and pin me one, two, three. But if you ain't put 30, 40, 50 years into this shit, or if you ain't made a million dollars in this business, don't expect me to come in and just work with you or lay down for you i'm coming to do what my my business is these days and that's make the next generation um experience what it would be like to be in a ring with a guy like me 
And I'm not like the next guy, and I'm not like the last guy. And I don't expect the next guy to be like me, you know? But if if a kid could get in the ring with me one night and Shane Douglas the next and, you know, different generations and then get in there with, a you know, a Leo Rush the next day, and those are generational, like, and there's they're going to be different matches and different opportunities, but every match I've ever had, I learned something. Even the green kid on the indie show, I learned something. You never stop learning. Right. And that's you know, what it's all about. And yeah. as a promoter that's done this 30 years, like, I'm not just saying this to you, but when you, like, understandably, the way things ended for you, you had every reason to be pissed off. Oh, yeah, you know every reason. Um, but thank God, all the fans that got to, you know, I gained a following on Instagram. Since yeah, then. and, and oh, I yeah. was I was trying yeah. to reach out to you when you were first. And I remember like pe- pe- talking to people. I'm like, hey, let me give me a number. Oh on man, you were like, f- no. He was like, he doesn't want anything to do with wrestling. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I'm right. an idiot for that. But I'm glad but you did. Time, I'm glad you did from a guy that I imagine if I at that time went, hey, oh, I want to do the show. You would have crushed it. Holy you would have freaking. That's why I was. That's why I was. I was trying to reach you i was like i, I was honestly trying i, don't, to I, I never did the indies before so and i, I did, know and i, I realized know. that i, I realized know. that i was like man he th- for this next six months he could freaking just oh, i could have saw a million dollars yeah honestly you know I what i mean saw yeah. a million dollars yeah. Yeah. but i'm glad you did because from a guy i i've trained a lot of people a lot of the guys like leo and done this for 30 years promoted indie for 30 years this really is and I, I realized, I was like, man, he doesn't get it because he didn't do it. He didn't come from the Indies. He doesn't know what's here. But this is the – it really is the foundation, man, mm-hmm. and the foundation. And, and like you said, just having – given young guys, because Leo, you know, six, seven years ago, Leo was a young guy wrestling for me that no, no one knew who he was. But what I've always done, the guys coming out of my school, the guys that really bust their ass and work, and I got a couple now that – they're the guys I would throw you in. Like I would have thrown Leo in with you when you didn't, when Leo had never been on national TV because he was working that hard. If you had come out and done, I would have. Leo's a guy I would have put you in with, and like this kid wants it, man. So he needs to be in there with guys yeah. like you to get to the next mm-hmm. level. So I understand you didn't get it, but I really was. I was, I was a guy I was trying to reach, but I, people that I talked to are like, dude, he doesn't want anything to do with wrestling. Yeah, you know? I was definitely out, but I will say. Um, I find something interesting that I've been doing lately. I, I, I find it interesting that nobody else is doing it, to my knowledge. But I am literally working all my matches on the fly. Yeah. On the fly. Like, and anybody who could pull up a tape and see anything I did on the indies in the past, like, six months, or ask any of my opponents, they'll tell you. A lot of the times when I'm working young guys, they want to come up to me and talk to me. Mm-hmm. And they want to know what we're doing. And they want to talk about the match. And I don't give them that. Yeah. And I'm not trying to big league you. I'm not trying to. I'm trying to get myself better. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. it doesn't have as much to do with you as you think. I'm not trying to be a dickhead. But I challenge guys a lot. Yeah. I say I do about three or four things. I hit a DDT off the second rope. I might go to the top for it. All right. But if you see me on the top rope you better not let me jump off i'll just tell him shake the rope hit the referee do something because i don't want to jump off the top rope yeah all right <laughs> you know if you see me going up there getting the people that means stop me all right yeah. yeah and then i tell them never beat me to my feet because when you beat me to my feet is that awkward moment yeah, like, yeah. oh wait what's not, what are we yeah. doing right if you don't beat me to my feet then you're forced to sell yeah. Right, so I say sell, sell, and when you're in doubt, sell. 
Sell. And when you're in doubt, sell. When you don't know what you're doing, sell. Never beat me to my feet, and here's how you take my finish. Yeah. All right? And mm-hmm. I show them to eat the feet. And I go out and I work matches on the fly with young guys. And it challenges you to do something different. And here's what I keep telling guys. I go, you're going to have your matches with Leo Rush, and you guys are going to choreograph something fucking insane. And I'm not shitting on that. Right. There's, Just, there, there's I, something great. Yeah. Go do that great thing with Leo. When you're working Enzo, I'm a different match. And when I go out there, I'm going to sell for you. When you hit me, I'm not getting up. I'm going to put the shit over. And I'm going to make your life easy. You're not going to be in there, you know, wondering what I'm going to do or I'm fighting back. Like, what's next? It's like, no, bro. Like, here's how we do this. On the fly. All right? It's a matter of riding the people, listening to the people, and they'll tell you when to do something and when not to. They always do. And my thing lately is that I know that I'm not going to go out there and have a five-star match if I don't talk to my opponent. I know it. I know that I'm not going to go out there and have a WrestleMania match if I don't talk to my opponent. But here's what I do know. On this indie card, if we work on the fly... This match is going to be different than all the other seven matches on this card. You got eight matches on the card. If we work on the fly, you will be different than every other match on the card, and therefore it'll be good. Mm -hmm. It'll be good. Absolutely. And I can't have a bad match. I don't give a f*** what anybody says. People want to sit there and like, like, oh, jiff, meme, for a botch or something. Bro, every wrestler you've ever watched in your life has botched a spot. And nine times out of ten, if they're an indie darling that the world on the internet loves, if it's, you know, and I'm not saying he ever has. I'm just using an example because I don't even know him. But if Kenny Omega botched a big spot, it probably wouldn't be a GIF or a Meath. Right. They wouldn't yeah, do that they, to him. Might but, make botch mania. Might, right. might something, whatever. But that's what I'm talking about. Anytime something ever happens with me, whatever it is, back when I'm doing it on TV and shit, it's a meme or a GIF. Instantly, that's the weirdest thing with wrestling fans. I yeah. just, I just have said this in the last couple of weeks that the wrestling fans of this era, for the last like six or seven years, all that they did was bitch about Brock Lesnar, and he's a part timer. Stop giving him the mm-hmm. title. He puts a freaking cowboy hat on and some suspenders, and now all of a sudden that same internet face is like he's the greatest. And I'm like, yeah. like watching. Well, him now, I will like, say this: Brock Lesnar is the greatest. You by know, far like, what? by far enough. Way. It has nothing to do with the cowboy hat on. It is the most realistic style of work that there is. Yeah. And when I wa- when I work, it's never pretty. Yeah. It's never pretty. Technical exchanges, switching from hold to hold. What the f- are you doing? Yeah. I don't want to switch wrist lock, switch waist lock, switch. Wa- when have you ever seen anybody do that in a real fight? No. Yeah. Is no. there any realism? Because I'm the guy who pulled off the greatest work shoot in the history of this business and that was at madison square yeah, garden ring of honor right? ring of honor jumped the guardrail with the briscoes and it wasn't just me it was the briscoes and Cass and bubble who made that shit look real as real as why because we didn't choreograph that shit yeah because we didn't talk about it like you know you're gonna do this and you're gonna do that and i'm gonna do this it's like no don't hit me in the nose. Don't hit me in the eyes. Don't hit me in the teeth. Let them bitches go. Grab a fucking naked choke if you can get one. But defend yourself if you can't. And made it real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you watch Brock, even the choreographed shit don't look choreographed. Right. Mm-hmm. It don't. Yeah. 
because a lot of the time he's working in between. And I love that. And I yeah. and, and when I have a match with a guy who's like, I worked a kid who's fucking awesome named Warsaw, who you need to bring up. That can go. I was Where's he from? Florida Championship Wrestling with him. He was supposed to be in the Wyatt family. They wanted it to only be the big three, and they cut him. So he got fired, but he was one of the best promos we had. Could talk for days. But he's in Arkansas. And Warsaw was retired right after WWE. He was like, right quit the biz right i got him out of retirement to come wrestle my ass in texas when i needed an opponent in texas and i knew who i wanted to work because i knew how good he was and we worked i told him i'll work your arm you'll work my leg i'll work your body we had about three bullet points in the match and we went for 25 minutes and then we went for 17 or 20 i had two or three matches with this guy that were unlike any matches i had ever had to the date like, to now. And why was that? Because I trusted him. I knew he could go, and he knew how to work. And, in, and more importantly, in SWE Fury, the place where we had the match at the time in Texas, you weren't allowed to throw strikes. So if you're not allowed to throw punches, closed fist punches, it forces you to wrestle. Right. So now I can work an arm. Now I can work a leg. Now you can work a body part. And we can make sense of it when somebody does throw that cheap shot and the crowd reacts to it because they haven't seen one. Now, imagine if you're putting together a card and you're a promoter, and you say to everybody on the card, first three matches of the card, I don't want to see any strikes, not a single strike in the f***ing first three matches. Unless you throw a drop kick or a tackle, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm saying no punches, no flippers, no kicks. That first punch gets thrown in match four. Listen to the reaction yeah. of the crowd. Right. Oh, yeah. oh! They can't even believe it because they haven't seen a close fist punch for three f- matches, and they just didn't even realize it because they're watching wrestling. <laughs> right. Guys are wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I loved that idea of going down to a place where there was no strikes allowed, making sense of it. Mm-hmm. You know, we did a match where he DDT'd me on concrete, and I got a stretcher job. And we didn't smarten up any of the boys. We didn't smarten up the producer, and we didn't smarten up the commentators. So they really wow. thought I got. Knocked out. Well, you should from a DDT on the floor. Was that oh, yeah. was that a promotion? Was that how they presented it? No, no Sports Illustrated covered covered it. Sports wow. Illustrated wrote an article about Enzo Amore getting knocked out on an indie show by Ivan Warsaw. That was my goal. Wow. Ivan Warsaw written in the headline on Sports Illustrated. My opponent. I got my opponent over the guy who DDT'd me on concrete. Yeah. He didn't really knock me out, but everybody thought he did. Yeah. And he got his name out there, and he got known for that. And then we went on and had another one. But now to make it known to the world that closed fists aren't allowed, when we went to go lock up, I sidestepped him, punched him in his mouth, and he dropped. And I got DQ'd. That was how match two went. Mm-hmm. It was over in seconds. Why? Because I got my redemption. He DDT'd me on the ground. Mm-hmm. And I knew that punches are illegal. F*** you. Bang. Now the third match goes 25 minutes, and we can't throw a strike because we just explained to the people in SWE Fury something that they did not know watching the entire show. See, they're watching a show, and they don't realize that closed fist strikes are not allowed. Right. But I just told you when I hit him in the face and I got DQ'd that now you know closed fist strikes aren't allowed. So when I have that third match, you know that we can't punch each other even though we're in a heated rivalry. I love pro wrestling. I definitely do. But I am going to leave you yeah. on that note. Yeah. Well, we appreciate I didn't really it. get yeah. knocked out. Thank you, Sports Illustrated, for caring about me. I appreciate you. And and from a promoter standpoint, someone been involved in wrestling for 30 years. I'm glad 
like you came back to it. Like yeah. it didn't just yeah, didn't just shut the door. I'm glad away. you just breathing new life into it. Because again, everything you went through, you had every reason to shut the door and walk away from it. You know, I would have understood if you did, but I'm glad you came back. I appreciate it more than you know, and and, and thanks for bringing me here today, and thank you guys for entertaining my conversation. Absolutely, it's been great. Yeah, I appreciate you. you guys, and this is Eric, real one out. Bada boom, real smarter room. How you doing? I'm out. <laughs>